Hello, this is Heather Gibo, one of the deacons from the Virgins Congregational Church. This podcast includes portions of our service from March 27, 2022. The scripture for later in the lesson is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 32. Greetings and grace as we gather together on this beautiful morning, gathering together as this community of faith as God's people, blessed and loved with God's unconditional love. Ah, thank you, Jenny. (laughs) Even as we were standing outside and listening to the music, you bless us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let us then continue to set our hearts, our minds, and our spirits as we breathe in God's unconditional love, breathe out gratitude that we are here this day. And let us join together in this continuing celebration of community with our opening sentences. We are a vibrant Christian community, full of life, music, and laughter. We gather to worship, to explore, and grow our faith. We embrace everyone wherever they are on life's journey. We strive to love and serve with compassion and grace, as Jesus did, to make a difference in our community and beyond. The scripture lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. I'm wondering if the voice that was assigned to you is the role that you might be in this story. But we're going to explore that a little bit. But first, Liam, I think it's good if we give an introduction about kind of why we thought we might want to do this this morning. Right? Is that a good, a good start? Sounds good. So here's the backstory. Um, usually sometime around Wednesday of each week, Liam and I check in with each other on email. Okay, checking in with each other in terms of the spirit of faith formation, unpacking the scripture, and kind of seeing where we both are for the week. And then the best part of my week comes on Saturday, either in the morning or the afternoon, and we have a phone call with each other and continue to explore the scripture and all of the nuances of it. And I love these phone calls because sometimes you've been out walking your dog, right, on Route 66. <laughs> And our phone calls go like half hour or more, just exploring the scripture. Yeah, the last time we talked, we, we walked the full length of Route 66. That's right. <laughs> that was like, yeah, 45 minutes or so. Yeah. yeah. And so this past Monday, my husband Gary and I took a couple of days and went over to Ogunquit, Maine. You can all go, ah, But no, it was nice. It was nice. And what often happens to me is some of my best spiritual experiences happen walking along the beach. Monday afternoon, I was walking along the beach thinking about this Sunday and our conversation earlier, and I thought, why don't we do this in front of the congregation? What we do on Saturdays, kind of unpacking the scripture. And this one is a rich one, isn't it? Got a lot of moving parts to it, including maybe some ways we've heard it interpreted in the past. So that's kind of what we're, why we're doing what we're doing. What are we doing? Well, I want to say thank you for those conversations first because it's, was a, it's been a highlight of my week. Um, I think we all could use a friend to uh, talk about things we're, listen, we're reading and, and wondering and how does our faith apply to life and what about this and how does that fit. It's been, it's not faith formation, it's been friend formation. Friend formation. And I Good. think we could all use that. Um, especially since we're all very different. And I think mm -hmm. we'd all find ourselves in this story yeah. in a different place. Yeah. I, I know that I kind of identify with the prodigal son, but mm -hmm. I don't know about you. You don't seem very prodigal to me. <laughs> oh, there's some stories, but maybe not to be shared today. I'm going to get to my part of the story a little bit later. Okay, but I also have to say as um, I'm an only child, 
My husband is an only child. And so we had four children. And so when they were growing up, we'd always say, I wonder why they don't get along. We got along, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so as an only child and coming into these kinds of stories that really talk about our family dynamics. So having said that, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, about your experience, Liam. Well, I had four sisters and I was in the middle. So there was always somebody to compare to. <laughs> And there was always somebody getting into trouble and being tattled on, and there was always somebody who was sometimes seen as the black sheep of the family. Mm. Um, I really felt like the black sheep of the family when, when my marriage fell apart mm -hmm. and the denomination that I was a part of um, wouldn't have allowed me to come out as a gay person. Uh, so I was going to lose my job, um, and my wife wanted to marry um, a writer that she'd been working with in Australia. And so it's, it sounded easier to go to Australia than to have to come out and figure out things at home in Michigan. Um, so I went to Australia, sold everything that I owned, cashed in my retirement plan because I could go to Australia on a student visa if I paid for graduate tuition. Um, and I wanted to be near my kids. Mm. And uh, I did that. And then things didn't go well. Yeah. The laws of immigration changed. Mm -hmm. I haven't said this part of the story, but after the laws of immigration changed, the one path forward that I could have um, I could maybe try to find mm -hmm. was uh, a partner visa yes. that they didn't have uh, they didn't have equality of marriage in Australia so my wife got married and mm -hmm. qualified as an Australian citizen quite easily um, mm -hmm. but they didn't have that for same-sex relationships but you could get a partner visa yeah. so I, I was in a dating somebody and I got into this relationship. It seemed like somebody who was in a similar place, mm -hmm. had gone through a divorce and was very religious and was about my age and we uh, came together and then I found out that you can stumble into a, an abusive relationship if you're, mm -hmm. you're not feeling good about yourself. Yeah. Um, and yes. it was really it was really the worst surprise. And so there I was in this really limited apartment, uh, small apartment yeah. in a, next to a huge freeway. Um, and people around me spoke different languages. And I was in this really awful relationship, but I couldn't, couldn't admit it to anybody because I didn't want to be a failure, right. a loser. Right. Yeah. I couldn't admit it to my kids, had to make sure it, would, it seemed like the best. And my mm -hmm. ex-wife, I wanted to make sure she thought I was doing great. Yes. And it mm -hmm. was then coming home feeling like I don't mm -hmm. have any place to go. Right. There's, mm -hmm. I don't have I'm a country home. to go to, uh, let alone yeah. that. So that's, that's why I feel for the prodigal son. Yes. Yes. Part of it also is the feeling for, of judgment. Right. That mm -hmm. the prodigal son really lays out, you know, 
if there's judgment in the passage, the most harsh judgment is the prodigal judge, the prodigal son judging himself and saying, I am such a failure. Mm -hmm. I am such a loser. I have sinned so badly. I've just fallen apart. Mm -hmm. The the word that, I don't know how many of you ever use the word dissolute. Dissolute. (laughs) Surprised me to see dissolute. What is dissolute? And in it, I broke down the word to, there's solution in there, salute, mm. and then there's dis, bad. Yes. And I think it's just having a bad solution to life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how mm-hmm. I felt like I was just trying to solve life. That's all I was trying to do was solve yes. life. And I made one bad decision after another or one that didn't, right. that took a surprise. And then I'm the loser. Mm-hmm. I'm the failure. And I'd have to come back home. And you did. And you came back home. And what I'm hearing, and I'm hearing this with such gratitude for your honesty and sharing your story, and I'm guessing that every one of us in this room can relate to some time in our life, some part of our life, and this is what we do when we talk about our stories, where we have felt like a failure. Might be even this morning feeling that internalization of perhaps, and I may be going down a tough path here, perhaps formative faith experiences that have said to us that we are being judged so harshly that we then either internalize that judgment, I am a failure, I am apart from a community, or we project that onto somebody else. That's, I think, what's also happening in this story with the older brother, who's projecting a story onto the younger brother who's coming back home before he even knows the full story. And so that judgment, and what do we hear in here, that dissolute piece, by the way? Is there anybody here who can't relate to having made a bad decision to trying to do a good solution? Maybe you have, by the grace of God. But I know about dissolution in terms of making some bad decisions sometimes that I thought were the best decision. But as I said to you earlier today, I love that quote from Maya Angelou, when I know better, I do better. Right? When I know better, I do better. And so rather than judging ourselves, what does it mean to come back home? What does that mean? to be restored. What does restoration look like? Because that's what this story, there's lots of nuances here, but we talked about restoration. What does the word restoration mean in this story? What do you think? You're shifting the the focus to the father. Mm -hmm. And when when I was judging myself, I felt like I was judging myself in part on God's behalf. Doing God's work. That, that the, the faith that was part of my childhood was a, a God that was holy, a God of expectations, a God who couldn't forgive me unless he killed his own son, um, a God who was very severe. And even grace was something that had to be doled out at the cost of blood. And... And so when I was beating up on myself, I was just feeling like I was being a good Christian. (laughs) I was being guilty. I was, Mm -hmm. but and you read this story, and the father isn't about that at all. No, the father doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. even say, "Okay, 
boy, have you messed up. Doesn't even talk right. to the such. Like, right. so excited about the mm -hmm. sun coming home and being there. Yes. And as a parent, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That feeling that, yeah, your, your kids blow it all the time. <laughs> That's because they're, they're figuring out their own solutions to life. Yeah. And some of them are good and some of them aren't so good. Mm -hmm. they, that's part mm -hmm. of them figuring it out. But I love them. Mm -hmm. And, and yes. the restoration focus is that the love of God doesn't have any barriers. Right. Yes. It is about inviting us into restored relationships. Yes. And so much of Christian theology needs to make that shift, I think, mm -hmm. from the guilt and sacrifice and condemnation theology, which is really bad parenting, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to the love and embrace and restore theology. I work at a middle school and I'm working on restorative justice and restorative mm -hmm. conversations. And sometimes mm -hmm. when students do something wrong in class, boy, it makes sense. Yes. Yeah, right. I couldn't have paid attention anymore either. Right. But right. You handled yes. it pretty well to walk out. Mm -hmm. um, but we're, we need to restore that relationship. Right. It's how to get the, the student to understand what was going on and what was mm -hmm. happening with the with the teacher and the other students, that's restorative language. Right. right. And yes. if we can move to the restorative theology, it's also, I think, the best thing for our planet. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. something about us practicing a restorative ethic towards all of creation yeah. that we as a community need to mm -hmm. need to embrace that. Yeah. So I that's what I see in the father is that's a shift from mm -hmm is reflecting a really healthy parenting. Right. A parenting that is about restoring relationships and healthy yes. relationships. Yes. Yes, but and... That's work. That is work. That is work, and it's hard work. And yes, riffing on the restorative peace, uh, and that there's no judgment. The father is not even offering a judgment. He's, he runs to meet his son. He runs to embrace him. He says, let's get the party going. He doesn't say anything but welcome home. In, um, in, in, a, in a book by Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a wonderful Episcopal priest and fabulous spiritual writer, she talks about the prodigal son story. And what she says is, God is so busy finding the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son. God is so busy finding the lost that all God has time to do is celebrate. And that's what's happening in this story, that kind of restorative understanding. And, and what I think I'd like to do is to kind of return to something earlier, which you asked me, where's my place in this? Okay. What I love in the rabbinic tradition of Midrash, Midrash is the rabbinic study of looking at a particular passage creatively and with a lot of imagination and saying, even though the word or the letter is not here, what else is going on in the story? Okay? Does that make sense? You read a passage and you say, let's imagine creatively what's going on in the story. So for years, whenever I've read this story, I ask a question. Where's the mother? <laughs> That's my midrash question, because I know where I'd be, okay? I place myself into that story, and I imagine that I, with my birth pangs, gave birth to that older son 
I gave birth to that younger son. I dearly love my husband. And what I am seeing now is the restoration of our family. And what I want to do, what I want to do, here's my continuing midrash, what I want to do is I want to say to the son who's standing back, unwilling yet to be restored, I know your favorite meal, I'm going to cook it. And to the one who's coming back home, I haven't forgotten what you like to eat, and I'm going to cook it. And we're going to share that meal. Oh, and by the way, when your father has gotten done with killing the fatted calf, and I'm not even going to do an exegesis on what about the fatted calf. We could talk about that someday. But we're going to, at the end of the meal, say, let's go in and do what we've always done. You boys are going to wash and dry the dishes. (laughs) And I'm going to be in the kitchen with you. Let's see what happens then. Where's the mother in this story? The feminine image of the divine. Oh, I love, I love that way of wondering. <laughs> because the, the story is a cliffhanger, you know? The story just ends, and you're like, okay, do these brothers actually work it out? Mm-hmm. Um, does the, the older one just get mad, and do they have an argument? Do, do they restore a relationship? Mm-hmm. And for... A mother to say, okay, you guys are doing the dishes, (laughs) is a chance for those guys to be face-to-face because restoration takes time. Right. And relationship. Um, And relationship. There's a... I have four sisters. One of them uh, decided when I went to Australia that she didn't like being seen as the black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. So she told my parents and outed me to my parents the true story before I had the courage to do that because she wanted me to be seen as a black sheep of the family. Um, And she's done other painful things in my life too. And so when I came back to the United States, that was one sister I didn't connect with again. I didn't connect until my dad's death and his funeral. And then I had to see this other sister. We had to be face-to-face. And it was in the face-to-face and dealing with parents' possessions and other things that we were able to start rebuilding a relationship mm-hmm. of letting go of some of the grievances of the yeah. past and, and, um, and become brother and sister kind of again. Yeah. I say kind of because did my I saw her again at my mother's funeral three years ago, and uh, we had a good conversation, but that was three years ago, and I haven't had a conversation with her since, Mm -hmm. which means I'm over, and she hasn't called me either. Yeah. Yes, the work of restoration. So it's the work of restoration is never Mm -hmm. as instant as as a party. Right. (laughs) There's the party, there's the event, Mm -hmm. there's the bringing together, but then there's the doing the dishes. Then there's the the working together and working on that relationship that is ongoing. Mm -hmm. And the ongoing work of restoration is, I see that as Monday. Tomorrow, yes. That it's so good for us to be together as a church and to be reminded of God's grace and love and the whole party of restoration. Yes, it's good. And then Monday comes and it's dirty dishes time. (laughs) 
and rubbing elbows. And rubbing elbows and really oh. working it out. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Can I, shall we, is it okay if we end? Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> because when you brought this up, uh, where is the mother in this? Yeah. That uh, the artist Rembrandt had the same question when he was painting uh, a, a picture describing yeah. the story of mm-hmm. the prodigal son yeah. and had the, the son uh, on his knees in front of the father uh, mm-hmm. repenting and the father uh, receiving mm-hmm. and embracing right. the son. But Rembrandt yeah. put female hands on the father yeah. that the embrace is the work of father and, and mother. mother. Um, yes. And it's interesting that even centuries ago, Rembrandt was, yes. was with you, saying, okay, <laughs> these are the hands that embrace, these are the right. hands that also will do the dishes yes. with, with the son. The father God, the mother God, yeah. There's a song that mm-hmm. meant a lot to me when I was in a dark place in Australia. It was the song, The Hands of Kindness. And uh, it's a song by Bob Bennett, and it beautifully describes this this role of uh, God being one who embraces and leads and works towards restoration. So as a conclusion, I would like to have us listen to the song Hand of Kindness. In it, you can hear echoes of the prodigal son. You can hear echoes maybe of your life. Mm-hmm. And yes. it could move us towards a prayer time. Yes. yes. After the Hands of Kindness. I've no need to be All my failures and my sins For I can write my own indictment Of who I am and who I've been And know that grace by definition Something I can never earn But for all the things that I may have missed There's a lesson I believe that I have learned There's a hand of kindness Holding me Holding me There's a hand of kindness Holding me Holding on to me comes in just a moment Sometimes the consequences last And it's hard to walk inside that mercy When the present is so tied up to the past In this crucible of cause and effect 
walk the wire without a net And I wonder if I'll ever fall too far But that day has not happened yet Cause there's a hand of kindness holding me Holding me There's a hand As I was listening, I'm looking at some hands of kindness throughout this sanctuary. Father's hands holding his baby, the hands of grandparents and parents, partners, lovers, spouses. Let us pray. Invite us, if you're comfortable, to place your own hand on your heart. Holy One, Mother God and Father God, you have created us with your loving kindness. May our hands and our hearts always be open to share that kindness with ourselves, with each other, with you, and with our world in need. We give you thanks for the ongoing work of restoration in our lives and our families, our communities, and in your creation in this environment. All of these blessings and kindnesses you continue to pour out, and for this we are grateful. Hear our prayer. Amen. With gratitude for the blessings of our lives, we now respond with our generosity. And in this response, giving thanks that we are listening to this beautiful piece of music from the Ukrainian composer, awarded People's Artist of Ukraine and Hero of the Ukraine, who died in 2020 in Kyiv. Thank you.
important it is that we can bring all of our needs here. Our celebrations of birthdays, the suffering of our lives and our professions, all of it coming together, how good that is. In the spirit of our God who restores us, let us pray. Holy One, Mother and Father, you care for us and invite us to care for each other and for our Mother Earth. You are always drawing us back to you with your loving embrace, restoring us to loving relationship with you as beloved sons and daughters. There are so many ways that we wander away from your shalom. We misuse and deplete your creation. We pray that you call us to new ways to care for that creation so that all people will have clean water and air, enough food to eat and life abundant. We pray for the work of restoration and peace in places torn apart by war, war, as we pray and stand with the people of Ukraine and for all the countries who are receiving and making home for refugees. Continue to build hope, restore in us and all world leaders the determination to end war and for justice and peace in our world. When we are weighed down, Holy One, you are with us in our regrets and our grief, our sufferings, sickness in body, mind, and spirit. You give us sustenance and offer us the promise of your kind hands and embrace. We acknowledge the celebrations of our lives and we are joyful when we celebrate with our families, for Joey and Nicholas and all who are celebrating birthdays and passages, how we give thanks. We celebrate baby Lydia with us this morning. We celebrate and give thanks for the sturdy and good work of all of our teachers and our educators. And we acknowledge the suffering we acknowledge the work that is being done and for the solutions that are being offered. Spirit of love, be patient with us as we pray to be patient with one another. Spirit of love, in all that we do this day, use us as a sign of your reconciling love that we may share in the compassion of your Son, Jesus the Holy One, who taught us that when we pray, we may say, Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved of God, we are God's children, God's sons and daughters, sisters and brothers in relationship with the Holy One. With the hands of kindness, we have been nurtured. Those hands will lead us on the journey wherever that journey may go. 
with the promise of restoration and unconditional love. Go with God's blessing and go in peace. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you.